this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 1, 26 through 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. How many of you would like to be visited by an angel and told that? Hey, you're going to have a baby. The impossible is going to be possible, and people are going to talk about you like crazy, right? So tonight's scripture, tonight's sermon is is entitled, Mary's Favored Christmas. I would imagine at first uh, interaction with the angel Gabriel, Mary did not feel that this was a favored experience. To, to be betrothed, and betrothal in that day was very, uh, very much like an engagement now, but even to a, a higher degree. It was so binding that uh, in order to stop the marriage from happening, you had to officially divorce them. And so it was, it was a really big deal for her to receive this news, and, and the baby wasn't Joseph's. So I can only imagine, we'll talk more about that in a minute, what that scenario may have been like. But favor a lot of times comes from God. And to us, it may feel like a curse. It may feel like, God, why are you putting this on me? This is too big of a deal. This is more than I can bear. Why are you putting this burden on me? Why do you give me, give me this? And it may feel like the opposite of what it is. It may feel like a, a curse instead of a blessing. And so tonight, we're, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're taking a look at the Gospel of Luke specifically, the first and second chapters. Last week, we saw where God visited um, uh, and, and favor, put favor upon Elizabeth and Zechariah. And Zechariah was uh, a priest, and his, his wife, Elizabeth, was from the lineage of priests as well. And so God had set them apart and told them, you're going to conceive a son. And Zechariah, remember, was, he said, how can this be? I'm really old, and my wife is what? He didn't say old. He said, she's advanced in years because he was respectful, and he wanted to not offend his wife like a wise husband would do. And so she's, she's advanced in years, and so this is not really possible, but we saw that, that God is the God of making the impossible possible. That's what he does. He's a God of miracles. And so that happened, and now we're looking at, uh, so Elizabeth and Mary, the mother of Jesus, are related. 
And so that happened to her, and we saw last week that the, the John the Baptist baby that's going to be born to Elizabeth and to uh, Zechariah is the prophet that is going to come that was predicted hundreds of years before, and he's going to come and announce the way of the Messiah, the anointed one. He's going to be the one to proclaim, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah. And so that's his job. And so today we're jumping over and going to talk about Mary a little bit. And we're picking up where we left off. And if you want to look quickly, just to tie in how the, you know, Luke, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. And so they're, they're written very much alike. They're, you know, synonymous, you know, is that, that word synoptic. And so they're, they're alike. And John is like the, the wild card gospel, which teaches us a little bit differently about who Jesus is. And so they, they tie together. And we're looking mainly at Luke, but there's a big gap, if you remember, from the Old Testament, hundreds of years, to the New Testament. And so what happened in that? And we talked about last week, there was, a year of, there was like 400 years of silence, and then Jesus burst on the scene. The prophet Elijah was, was foretold in the book of Malachi that he would, he would come, uh, and John the Baptist is the, um, the culmination, the manifestation of him. And so now Jesus is on the scene. Well, Jesus was predicted in the Old Testament as well uh, in many places, but I want us to look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It'll be on the screen behind me if you want to follow along there. And this is, you know, hundreds of years before Jesus, and it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you, this small little place, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And so this is a prophecy that, that the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, is going to be born in Bethlehem. And we see that's where Mary and Joseph are from as well. And so tonight we're talking about God's favor. I want you to look in your worship folders. You'll have a, an outline you can follow along with and um, fill in the blanks. There's four of them. It helps keep me on track, too, because sometimes my thoughts go this way. This helps keep me in a, in a straight line. And so to help you to remember, hopefully, by writing these things down, you can take it with you throughout the week and, and review it as well. And hopefully you'll be able to find out how Mary's favored Christmas can translate over to where we can also have our most favored Christmas ever. Wouldn't that be nice if we experienced God's favor in a way that we've never felt before, never experienced before? As we continue, I'm just going to start with number one. Here we go. Ready? Let's fill in the blank and let's, let's get going. There's so much to say. Number one, God's favor unites us with God. God's favor unites us, it binds us, it brings us together with God. This is important on a lot of reasons. Uh, the first one is, I want us to all understand this, that you are chosen by God. That he has, has sought you out. He has, he has purposely said, I am choosing you and you and you, and he has brought you in. The angel Gabriel enters into this situation. Mary is, is just doing her own thing. Uh, she's a young teenage girl, and she, the last thing she's thinking is that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. This is not part of her plans, and a lot, a lot of us uh, men and women, we have plans. We like to stick to those plans, and when those plans get messed up, it causes anxiety, right? And, and so she didn't have this thing uh, planned for her, but she was chosen. The angel Gabriel chooses her on God's command by going and choosing her. So this chosen aspect is all throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God is the initiator, the initiator of our salvation, that he is the one 
who chooses us. He's the initiator of salvation. He's the initiator of favor, mercy, grace, everything. You know, sometimes in our relationships, we can kind of wonder, all right, who really made the first move, right? So I think about in college with me and my wife, I think she made the first move. But you know, you know, you know I did, right? Because you've seen her, you've seen me, right? So it had to be me making the first move. But I like to think that in math analysis, when we first started talking, and by the way, I made the first move because I'm just thinking, I'm the one who sat close to her because I saw her, and I was like, maybe we'll talk. You know, so that's technically the first move. But I was talking to her because my plan worked. And I was talking to her, and, I, and I, we were talking about something, and she just transferred from another school, and she was, uh, so, so how old are you? And I said, uh, 21. And she goes, oh, that's not too bad. And I was like, yes, she's into me. Years later, I found out that's not what she meant. She was four months older and 22, technically, and uh, had just transferred. And uh, she was thinking, oh, that's not too bad. I'm not too old in here. Had nothing to do with me. Sometimes you see what you want to see, and you feel what you want to feel. But anyway, it worked out. So sometimes there's, you know, who made the first move, but we don't have to worry about that with God. With all of us, it's God who's made the first move towards us. It's him who's chosen to sit next to us. It's him who's chosen to speak to us. It's him who is, who is, is pursuing us. And this is a, a comforting thing for us to remember, that, that God's favor unites us with him in the fact of understanding that, God, you, you chose me. I don't have to wonder if, if I just caught you on a weekday where you're like, well, okay, I guess you'll do. God chose me. He chose you. This is important, and, and don't ever forget this, that you are loved and you are valuable, and you know that you are loved by God because of Jesus. You are chosen. So look in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 28, it says, And the angel, and he came to her, Mary, and he said to her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, O favored one. So just quickly, we have to talk about this because this is just on my heart so much this week, and I, and I believe it's there from God. But I want to talk to the women for just a second. Um, not just the moms, but moms too. That having a child is a very high calling. And stay-at-home moms in our world today are, are not celebrated. And I remember back when my wife, we, we were married for five months. We were, our plan was to work for many years and to have babies when we were around 30. Well, about five months into the marriage, we got pregnant. Actually, we didn't. She did. But you know what I mean. And so uh, we, had, we had our first child, and her desire was to be a stay-at-home mom. And I remember the pressure she felt of telling people that that I want to be a stay-at-home mom, but was that all you're going to do? You're not going to work? And so there's this pressure that our culture has put onto us. And so I, I, as I look through this, I just think, if, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that is a high calling. Don't ever let anyone culture you out of that and to doubt that. If that's what God is calling you to do, you do it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because it is a high calling to raise children. Even in Arkansas, that was questioned, right? That's where I'm from. It was an unexpected pregnancy for Mary. And I remember many times I hear people talk about this, and, and they say, well, Mary was a young teenager, and she was a young teenager. And so we read into that from our 21st century lens, 
And we look back into that, and we start judging. Like, who is God to, to alter a teenager's life? Because to us, we think teenagers need to grow through high school, and then go to college, and then even grad school, and then work, and then maybe in their 30s, settle down and have a family. Well, who's to say that is the right way? In just a second, I'm going to say, who's to say that's the wrong way, too, okay? So don't get too offended yet. But I'm just saying, a lot of times we read into the Scriptures what we want to read. Just like I wanted to read into Carrie's comment that she was into me. She just was not into me at that point. It took time. But we read what we want to read. And I saw it was an unexpected pregnancy, and we're, we're quick to judge. And, and yet God was calling her favored. There are harsh judgments of God and, and, about the way this happened. And, and one reason that we're reading... One reason we would be offended by this is because what we're doing is reading our cultural norms of today into the cultural norms of then, and we're saying ours is superior to theirs. And in some ways, the culture we live in today is, is better. Women are, are, have a higher standing in our culture here in, in New York, in America at least, for sure, than they did back then. They're not second class as they were then. So some things have gotten better, but not everything is superior. So, for women, I want you to realize that your identity is not in whether you are or are not a mother. Your identity is not whether you do or do not have a career outside the home. Your identity is not in anything that you do. Your identity should be found in God's calling on your life. And that's where God's favor is so important. Because it unites you with God to where you know, I'm tracking with you, God. I'm going in the line you want me to go, whether that's with wife or as a wife and mother or with children, which would be a mother, <laughs> or whether it's a career person. Whatever it is, I'm tracking with you and I'm united with you in your calling on my life. Sometimes women are called to, be, to have children, sometimes they're not. Wives and sometimes not. Sometimes they're called to be lawyers, teachers, entrepreneurs, nurses, doctors. Sometimes... Women wear many different hats when it comes to work, when it comes to family, when it comes to church. They do a lot of everything. But the point is, what is God's calling on your life? What, is he, what does he have for you? The point is that God's favor unites us with God's calling. And so you don't have to live with the guilt or the doubt in your life. You don't have to live with that when God's favor is on you doesn't matter what they think about you. doesn't matter if they approve of, of God's calling, but you're doing what God, God says for you. Just like for Mary, it didn't matter what people said. They said, she's sleeping around. didn't matter. She knew God's calling. She knew that this was what his will was for her. We are confident and we are calm, men as well. We are confident and we are calm when God's calling and his favor is on our life because we know that we are doing what he wants us to do. So I want you to release yourself from the worry of what are, gonna, what are people going to think if? And instead, know the confidence of living in God's favor. When there's you and then there's God, that's a majority. It doesn't matter what other people think. If God has called you to this, this is where your identity is. Amen? Number two. So God's favor unites us with God. And the second thing is God's favor opens up the way for miracles. Well, now it's just awkward, right? We've got to talk about miracles in this world of logic and, and things you know, need to be explained out to the finite detail. 
Well, the miracles that happened in uh, this so far in this chapter were Elizabeth and, and Zechariah, who is also known as Zacharias. So it could be Zechariah, Zacharias, but not Zephaniah, which I said that once last week, so I just want to clear that up. All right? Those Z words, they're, they're kind of hard. All right? And so the, the old... Um, the old man and the advanced in years woman miraculously had a child that were beyond their years. Uh, Zechariah was also muted by an angel. He couldn't speak for many months uh, until his son was born. That was another miracle. Another thing we see here is the, the miracle of the virgin birth. And Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, uh, speaks prophetically to the day when the Messiah would come. And it says, it says this, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. A lot of people wonder, was, was Mary a virgin? And there's good articles written about this, and uh, good studies done on what it meant. Was it young maiden or was it virgin? Um, I'm just going to look quickly here and make this simple and move forward. Uh, she said she was a virgin. If you look in chapter 1, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can I have a child since I am a virgin? She's like, I've never known a man, so how could this even be possible? So number one, evidentially, evidentially speaking, she says she hasn't been with men. Uh, this recorded by Luke, who got his information from a lot of eyewitnesses uh, to the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so for this to be recorded and adopted and maintained throughout the, the course of history is a powerful testimony to the fact that this was accepted testimony, that she said, I am a virgin. Also, Joseph was going to call off the betrothal and divorce her secretly because he hadn't done anything with her to conceive a child. And had trouble, like most of us would have trouble believing her when she said, God got me pregnant. I had, I wouldn't believe her either, okay? And so, but he was a noble man, he was good, and he was going to uh, divorce her secretly. And you look in Matthew, the gospel there, and you can see where it says this in verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child or pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Next verse. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Isn't that a dignified, righteous response? That I don't want to cause any more shame than you're already going to have to endure. But I'm going to do this privately. But what happened is, is we see in that later in the Gospel of Matthew that, that Joseph was also visited miraculously by an angel in a dream. And he said, no, 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 you need to believe her. What she's saying is true. And he took a step of faith, and he believed her. And he took her under his wing, protected her, and loved her, and became a, an exemplary husband and an earthly adopted father of the Lord Jesus. Miraculously. The son of Mary was the son of God. God's favor opens the way for miracles. Miracles happen when the favor of God is on us. And so I just wonder, are you in your life shutting down God's plan to work in new ways in your life? Miraculous ways, exciting ways, because to you, logically, it just doesn't make sense. 
Are you stopping the flow from God to your life because you've said, this isn't possible? Have you put the scriptures into a fictitious category like your Netflix watching or your other books that you enjoy? Or is this a reality that, that God has entered into our history? Last week, we saw how our history today, what is being written now as history, is connected to the historicity of the Scripture. We are part of the same history. If the God of the Bible says, if the God of the Bible is who he says he is, it's actually illogical to believe that he can't do miracles. If he is who he says he is, it actually does not make sense for us to think that he can't do the impossible. So don't shy away from these parts of the Bible because God moves in ways that experts will never be able to explain. And God is not limited by the laws of physics and biology. He's the creator of those laws. He's above them. He's not confined by them. He is sovereign over them. Number two, God's favor opens up the way for miracles. And number three is this. This is kind of where we get involved in it. Those two things are really focused on the Lord, but, but this is really focused on our responsive uh, nature to God and how he's designed us. God's favor is released through submission. God's favor is released to us, accessed, manifested through submission, our submission to him. So God chooses us. God does miracles miraculously through us and for us, but the way his favor is activated into our lives is when we trust him when we're subservient to him, when we're obedient to him, when we are humble before him. And we see Mary do this beautifully in verse 38 of chapter 1 in Luke. It reads this. It reads, And Mary said, Behold. So this is after the angel explains this is what's going to happen. You're going to have the son. He's going to be the, uh, the one who saves the world. All these things. And she, she responds by saying, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I am the humble servant of God. Let it be to me according to your word. So what she's saying is, let your will be done in my life. Whatever you say, Lord, let it be done in my life. Being submissive is very hard, isn't it? It's kind of an ugly word or a dirty word in some ways too because we, we know that a lot of times that word is abused. But submissive is a very good thing when we're talking about our submissive nature to who God is and but it's not natural. A lot of times we want to fight back. We want to retaliate instead of submitting. For example, last night I was driving Uber because I really like it. It's fun. I have fun with people when they say, so uh, why did you move to New York? I was like, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to drive Uber. <laughs> well, didn't they just like start like a few years ago? I was like, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's my side hustle. So last night, um, I, was, I was in the car, and there were a, a group of, or, or ambulance, excuse me, was coming behind me, and so I did what you're supposed to do, which most New Yorkers don't realize this, you're supposed to scoot over, let the ambulance go past, and then get back in line, right? So I, I did what I was supposed to do, I scooted over, ambulance comes past, there's a yellow taxi right behind it, you know, you know tailgating it which you shouldn't do, by the way. Don't tailgate an ambulance. That's no bueno. And so he's, 
He's tailgating it, and so I try to get back in. He cuts me off, and there's an Uber behind him, another, you know, Uber car. And I'm like, I'm not letting this guy cut me off. The yellow taxi got me, but I, I got this guy. So I just scooted on over, you know, in front of him and made my presence known. And uh, he did not like that and uh, started honking the horn at me. And it wasn't just like, me, me, like jerk. It was like, me, me. And if I could breathe longer, I would have gone longer. All right? It was just obnoxious. And it, the longer the horn honked, the angrier I got. You know? I was like, this guy should have let me over. I did what I was supposed to do. You know, the, the whole narrative's in my head, right? He's doing, I did what I was supposed to do. He should have let me. And now he's on. Then he put his high beams on. Yeah, no, you're shaking your head. You know, you're, like, you're getting mad with me, aren't you? And so the high beam was like hitting the, you know, the rear view mirror over here and just blinding me right in the eye. I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you're a pastor. You're a pastor. You can't get too angry. So anyway, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm angry. I, and it, it just, it, I'm seething. It just, it, over and over. But my, act, my, my response that I wanted, my desired response was biblical. But it was the kind of biblical that you would read in Judges. All right? And maybe a sword involved. However, I didn't do that. But I wanted to. On top of that happening, the two couples in the car with me were having arguments. It was two couples from London, and they were fighting after a wedding, which may be normal. I don't know. But, <laughs> but they were in the, in the car, and uh, she was like, I can't believe you. You're like the worst excuse for a husband ever. You totally embarrassed me tonight. What I do? What I do? You're way out of line, bro. You're way out of line, mate. I can't believe you did that. And they said a lot of other words that I won't repeat. Um, but they were just fighting and fighting. And at one point, one of the wives like hit the husband. What are you hitting me for? You wouldn't do this unless she was here. You're showing out in front of your mate. Anyway. So the high beams are still in my eyes. <laughs> All this is going on. I'm like, I wish there were like cameras right now and recording this. I feel like it would be a viral video and would solve my debt problems. So the high beams are still going, and we're going across 23rd Avenue, and it's just eight minutes because it's just slow traffic on that avenue going across town, and it's just blinding me. I'm like, I have had enough. I've had enough. I feel like he can see me in the mirror because the eye beams, you know, the beams are. And so I'm like, all right, they're distracted. They're not paying any attention. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this. And so I, I put my left hand up, and I turned it this way, and I blocked the light. <laughs> what did you think I was going to do? Oh, I know what you're thinking because I wanted to do that too, all right? However, I chose the right, time, the right thing, and for several minutes, I just held this up and blocked the light, and the longer I did, I mean, I actually started praying too. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the longer I prayed, the more peace I felt. And it just, it just really stuck with me. If I had kept focusing on the anger I felt, it would have led me to do things that I would be ashamed to do. But instead, I submitted and I said, you know what? I don't have to win this. I don't have to win this. Because if I get out of the car and try to win this, 
I could lose on many different levels. But even if I got out and won in the world's eyes, I would have lost. It would have set me up to block the favor of God in my life. Turns out I actually had a wonderful night of driving after I finally was able to turn and they went another way. I had one of the most profitable nights that I've had driving, and it was peaceful. But submitting is hard. Because sometimes you go through things in life that aren't right, that aren't fair. And what you will feel yourself to be justified in behaving in ways that aren't dignified or proper as a Christian. You will, you will find yourself telling yourself that it's okay for me to return fire to fire, fight fire with fire. And what we really need to do is submit to the Lord. So what's my point in that story? I've got two points on that one. They're not on the board. Just, you just listen to them. Number, the first one is, uh, couples from London fight dirty, but their accents make it sound fun. And the second one is this, that, that we may not know why God is allowing something to happen. What, we may be, what we're going through may be unfair. Sometimes our choices put us into situations that could have been avoided. I didn't have to cut the guy off, right? I could have let him win a long, long time ago. But no matter what the situation we find ourselves in, no matter what choices we made in the past to get to here, it is always a situation to submit to the Lord. Right now, you have a choice and I have a choice of whether we're going to be submissive to the Lord. And so God gave me peace in that submission and God releases favor into our lives when we submit to him as Lord. That's how we access it. It's there. He wants to bless you. The question is, can he? Are you allowing him to release it into your life? The fourth one is this. God's favor unites us. It opens up the way for miracles. It's released through submission. And the final one is that God's favor transforms us to be blessed. That we are a blessed people. That we are fortunate Mary went to see Elizabeth after the angel visited her and told her the news, and she went to go see Elizabeth because the angel said, hey, Elizabeth's pregnant. She's been pregnant for a few months. You need to go see her too. So she went there, and Elizabeth saw her, and when she saw her, the Holy Spirit filled um, Elizabeth, and, and she spoke these words to Mary. She's like, you are blessed. You are blessed. And we read this in Luke chapter 1, verse 39 and following. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste. She went quickly into the hill country to a town in Judah. As she entered, uh, she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. So Elizabeth's baby, who she's pregnant, about six months pregnant, uh, the baby leaped in her womb. She felt it. And, the, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. 
So Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she saw the goodness of God in the middle of the chaos of Mary's circumstances. Like, she didn't just look and say, wow, this is going to be hard to explain to people. This is going to be difficult for you. She saw the situation, and she knew from God that this is a good thing from him. And she was saying, Mary, you're fortunate to be chosen by God. You are favored. And your life, Mary, is going to be challenging, but it's going to be the most fulfilling challenge that you ever could have imagined. You're going to be the earthly mother of our Lord, the Son of God. And they visited for a while, and eventually Mary responded with poetry of her own. And I want you to hear this uh, as we read it as well. This is Mary's response to a poem. And Mary said, In this situation of being a teenage girl, unexpected pregnancy, an unexplainable pregnancy, except for miraculous means. And she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For God has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. For his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So that's including us, right? He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from the thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. See, Mary had a choice to make in her life when the favor of God came on her. She had a choice to make. Am I going to focus on the negative things that are going to be really challenging? Or am I going to focus on the call of God in my life? Am I going to realize that I have a lot to be praising Him for? She focused on the positive. She praised the Lord. Did she have doubts? Of course. She, she had some in the very beginning. And we're reading a very condensed version of what happened. She had, day, I mean, I can imagine just 24 hours after this news is going to be a tumultuous 24 hours, right? And we have it broken down in months, uh, months sections in just a few lines. So I'm sure there were some really intense times for her. Did she have questions? Absolutely. How can this be? But more than that, what she eventually got to was faith. I believe. I believe. I, I can focus on the negative things or I can believe. I can have doubt in my life. I can focus on those things or I can focus on faith. I can be pessimistic and say, this is never going to work out. This is, this is too big for God. This is just not going to work. Or I can have a life of hope. I can live a life of defeat and just say, well, it's just, it just is what it is. Or I can live a life of victory. What are you seeing in your life today? Are you looking around at what's surrounding you? And are you worried are you focused on the negative or do you look around at what's surrounding you and you see i don't know how you're going to fix this lord but i know you will i don't understand how this is good for me but i know you're good for me and that you're for me i don't understand how we could ever get out of debt i don't understand how i could ever uh get a new position at work. I don't know how I could ever be 
married. I don't know how I could ever be happy in my marriage. I don't know if I could ever have children. I don't know if I can, you know, some of us, we have children and we're worried about them. I don't understand, Lord, but I do know that you have a plan that is good and I know that you are good. And so I'm going to choose to have faith in you. How do you view your world? With the complaints? With complaints? Or with praises to God? I hope it's praises to God. When you find yourself complaining this week or just a few moments when you have to leave or right now because you don't like what you're hearing, when you're, when you're tempted to complain the next time or when you find yourself doing it, stop and say, where is God at work around me right now? How can I praise him? What are three things I can focus on right now that I can praise God for and thank him for? Because how you view the world around you impacts your heart. It impacts your faith. Everyone in the world has faith. Everybody. Everybody believes in something. Everybody believes in someone. But not everybody believes in Jesus. And that's where we have to be. Mary, in in verse 38, said, Here I am. As you said, Lord, let it be done to me. You ever heard that before? Not my will, but yours be done? Who does that sound like? It does. It's interactive church tonight. That's right. It sounds exactly like Jesus. Because that's what he said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was praying on his face before he went to the cross, and he's like, Father, if there's any way for you to make another way, let it be done. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Mary has had the same prayers uh, as as Jesus' prayer in the garden before it goes to the cross. She had her cross to bear, bearing the brunt of being scrutinized for her faith and being called names. But she was the most favored over all women because she surrendered her will to the Father. Jesus bore the cross for us. The redeeming cross of Calvary. And now he doesn't just have the most favored among all women name, but he has the name above all names. The name that we bow down and we worship. I love that song earlier that even the angels bow down before the Lord. These angels like Gabriel that terrified people. If an angel showed up in here tonight and spoke to us, we would react the way they did. We would be terrified, and we would hope that it would say, the angel would say, be not afraid. They bow down to Jesus. Jesus submitted his life to the will of the Father. So the question for you this Christmas is, are you surrendering your will to the Father? Are you a humble servant of the Lord like Mary? Are you a humble servant like Jesus? Are you living for God's glory as they did? Jesus is the hero of Mary's favored Christmas, but she was a shining star of faith. She was faithful, obedient, and favored. Jesus is still the hero, the one Son, the one Savior. And Mary was favored for the same reason that you and I can be favored. She was favored because of God's grace and her faith. God's given you the grace. He's given you more grace than you could ever spend. You can't use it. He's given you so much. 
But what is your response when it comes to your faith? Are you trusting in yourself? Or are you submitting to the Lord? If you want to have a favored Christmas like none of the, none other before, then the way for you to experience that is to place your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the, the favor that you give to us. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you that you are the one Savior that you have given us life and hope and that you are a God of miracles and that you are a God who just yearns to bless his children. Lord, when life doesn't make sense, give us faith to trust you. Today, we say we trust you. Lord, when we find our identity in something that we do or what people think of us, remind us that our identity is on who you say we are. Lord, when we find our identity or our value in what we do for you, remind us quickly that it's not about what we do for you. It's about what you have done for us. Reclaim our rightful identity in our hearts tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would put on our hearts things that we need to surrender to you tonight. What is it for me tonight, Lord? I pray we would ask that. What is it that I'm holding on to tighter than I'm holding on to you? And I pray that I would surrender this to you because purely, Lord, I just want you more than I want anything else. But I also pray, Lord, that as I pursue you and as I respond to you, you would pour out your favor upon us as your children. In Jesus' name, amen.